Hi everybody, I'm Jenny Meadows. And I'm Natalie Jackson, and we are both directors of Totally Runnable and Sea Sporty Be Sporty. And welcome to our Sea Sporty Be Sporty Role Models podcast series. In this series, we are talking to some awesome and undisputed role models from the world of sport. Why? Because we are celebrating the launch of our Role Models poster series, posters of awesome role model girls doing the sports that they love, which are now winging their way to our first set of 2000 schools in West and South Yorkshire. Why are we doing this? Because we know that girls and boys in schools still don't see enough other girls being sporty. And if you can't see it, you can't be it. So we are doing our bit to fix that. My co-host has already said hi. It is a wonderful, it, she is the wonderful Jenny Meadows. World and European medalist over 800 meters, now retired athlete, commentator, board member, totally runnable and C sporty, B sporty director and mummy to be, of course. Um, so hi, Jen. You, that is such a big build-up, Nat. Thank you. Um, very excited by this whole agenda, and I'm very excited about the guests that we've got. I know, Jen. If you thought that was a big build-up, get ready for this. Our guest this week is a five-time Paralympic gold medalist, twelve-time world champion, three-time European champion world record holder over 100 meters, 200 meters, 400 meters, 800 meters and 1500 meters in wheelchair racing, TV presenter and contestant on Strictly Come Dancing and the Great British Bake Off. The one and only Hurricane Hannah, it's Hannah Cockcroft. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Hannah. You must get that intro everywhere. Does it follow you around? <laughs> you know what? Some people announce me as 11-time world champion and so many people have done it that I'm not sure how many world champion times I've won. <laughs> oh. I, I mean, take 12. I, I think I got that from the Tokyo 2020 website. I, th I think it is 12. I think people forget one. But <laughs> I'm not sure which one they don't want I to do. Because so. there's so many. <laughs> Hannah, do you know what? I would write that on all my Christmas cards. I would. Oh, I'd just be like, from Hannah, and I, I would just go for it. I would just... I'd have to get a stamp. It'd take me all day to write one You can get a stamp. That's what you should do. But, <laughs> oh, my do. goodness, absolutely unreal. Not just your sporting achievements, but everything that you've done outside sport as well, which I'm yeah. sure we'll get to. But um, we are so glad that you're joining us today. We are starting this episode with a game that I like to call 11 Things Everyone Should Know About Hannah Cocker. Maybe we should have made it 12. We, I was thinking oh. that with Mr. Trick. We've only got 11, Just think sorry. Of a quick one. <laughs> Jen, you think of a quick one to go at the end while I'm doing the questions. So, Hannah, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Cake or pie? I missed the first one. What oh. was the first one? <laughs> Cake or pie? That's the hardest question ever. <laughs> uh, cake. <laughs> Cats or dogs? Dogs. Invisibility or super strength? Oh, mm, super strength. Warm weather or cold weather? Warm weather. Love Actually or Bend It Like Beckham? Love Actually. One for you, Jen. Uh, hot chocolate or coffee? Hot chocolate. Digital watch or analog watch? Uh, ooh, uh, analog watch. Box sets or movies? Box set. Singing or dancing? Singing. Watching football or watching tennis? Oh, tennis. Cardio or weights? Weights. 
And last one, number 12, Jen, what you got? Dressing up or dressing down? Oh, dressing down. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, I've seen you do both, Hannah. You've done them both amazingly. So, uh, it takes effort to dress up, well, doesn't like it? That. It does, it does. That was good. I enjoyed that. I learnt a lot. Hannah, honestly, it's so lovely to have you here. We are totally runnable and see sporty, be sporty. We work all across the north of England, but we are based in Yorkshire. And obviously, you are a Yorkshire treasure, I might say. Um, you are also such a great advocate the, um, for PE and sport across the region, through Yorkshire and beyond. And I first met you at a school games event in, in Yorkshire several years ago. Um, how important is it to you to support events and competitions like the school games it's massively important because i i started at events like the school games and if i hadn't you know seen from them where i could get to and where sport could take me then I probably wouldn't be where i was now you know a lot of kids you get into sport because you enjoy it but you never envision it being your future and if it's right there in front of you then you have more of a chance of actually getting there so yeah it's massively important i just want to just want to show kids where they can get you know it was never my dream it was never what I wanted to do being a Paralympian it was just an opportunity that got passed my way and I went for it and I think it helped that I'd, I'd met people that have been there and done that um, and, and all because they'd supported events you know like the school games and, and things like that. But it wasn't something that was always your life was it sport you what tell us about your experience of sport at primary school. Yeah, so sport for me, I never did any sport um, until I was about 12 years old. Um, primary school, PE lessons for me were sitting on the bench, reading a book, sitting keeping score, sitting and watching, sitting in the library. Uh, they all involved sitting. <laughs> um, and it was only when I got to secondary school, uh, my second year at secondary school, my the local uh, wheelchair basketball team was doing a tour of all the local schools. And they came to my school and that was first time I had ever met other disabled people it was the first time I saw Paralympic sport it was the first time I'd seen wheelchair sport um, I grew up in an entirely able-bodied world which wasn't a bad thing uh, but when you spend your whole childhood being told no you can't do sports sports not for you um, once it actually gets revealed that there is something out there for you then it was like my dream come true or this whole new world was opened up to me and I just ran with it. And would you say before meeting those those other athletes that came into your school, would you say that you had any role models in the world of sport at all? Or was it just not something you came in contact with? So my, my brother was quite sporty. So he used to go and watch all these rugby matches. So he was probably my sporting inspiration. He was my sporting idol because he was the only only person I watched you know because I thought sport's not for me I didn't watch it on telly I didn't make an effort to buy tickets and go watch sport because I thought well you know if it doesn't welcome me then I don't want to be involved with it um so yeah no I, I never really looked out for an idol in it because I just didn't feel like it was appropriate do you know what that makes all your achievements even more remarkable <laughs> that you know you just didn't have the access to it and part of me wants to say imagine what you could have achieved if you had access earlier but could you have achieved any more I don't think that you could have done I know we're talking about this is somebody who by the age of 18 you were getting seven world records in eight days you I read at, so at one point you got four world records in four hours yeah that was like that was a couple of months ago <laughs> I've had worse days in four hours. Somebody like for somebody who has that level of potential, 
what a shame that you felt that sport wasn't a place that accepted you and where you belonged. And there must be, um, I would hope not not as many, but there must be children now who, for whatever reason, have, have fallen through a gap somewhere and, and aren't aren't getting the benefits of sport in that way. Um, how once you once you did see the basketball players and the other sports, how easy was it for you to get involved in sport? How easy was it for your teachers to adapt their sessions, for example? So, it, it, to be fair, it was massively easy to get involved with sport outside of school. Um, once I'd met the basketball team, once I knew it was available to me, then it actually turned out that the, the coach lived literally the next street on for me. But I live, you know, my mum and dad live on top of a mountain, so don't really go walking much up there. Um, and, yeah, once I was in with them, that was it. You find your club, and and the coach got me involved in basketball, we'll take rugby, we'll take tennis. He, he literally just, what do you want to do? Right, let's do it. He just wanted to give me the whole world, which was amazing. Um, it took a little bit longer for school to catch up. Um, but, you know... I, I accepted that things like cross country I was never going to be able to do and I wasn't that upset about that. <laughs> but, I was going to say that's not a bad thing. <laughs> but school, yeah, slowly started to learn that actually you just had to be creative. You know, there's there's so much kind of tape around health and safety and, oh, let's be careful and da-da-da. And actually I was, you know, I was just like, I just want to get involved. I'm not going to, I'm not going to try and hurt myself. I'm not going to get in trouble. I just want to give it a go. So it took a while, but eventually they learned, you know, there was no difference between everyone standing up and throwing a discus and me sitting down, other than the fact that the teacher had to do a bit more work and go and get it, which she, I don't think she was too happy about. But um, <laughs> yeah, slowly they started to adapt things and um, yeah, it, it got better from there. But it does, it scares me. It scares me to think that we're in 2020 and there are still kids that don't know what the Paralympics are, that don't know that sport is available to them and that were like me, you know, there was no excuse for the way that I felt about sport. And unfortunately, I still meet kids today that feel the same. And I just say to them, like, come on, tell me what you want to do and I'll make you do it. <laughs> and so your first, I guess, big role, maybe your first big role model, you tell, you tell us, one of your first big role models was Tani Gray-Thompson. How how was it meeting her? What sort of impact did she have on you? Tell us about your relationship with her. Yeah, so it was Tani's husband, Ian, that first uh, put me in a race wheelchair. Um, I remember like one weekend I was in Loughborough getting in a race chair for the first time ever when I was I was 15. And then the next weekend I was at Tani's house using a Paralympic bronze medal as a coaster. So Life changes quickly when you get involved in sport. Oh, wow. Um, she's probably got a few, though. She's probably got a set. Yeah, like, she was just, <laughs> I'll just, just put it on that. And my mum was like, I can't. And she was like, oh, no, honestly, that one's a rubbish one. I, I don't think a Paralympic medal is a rubbish one. But I kind of get where she's coming from now. Like, silver medals, are just, whatever, throw them in the bin. Don't want them. Um, but, yeah, I just remember going in and, and it was just like, Everywhere you looked in the house, there was like a London Marathon trophy propping open a door and like just just things slunk everywhere. And I was like, how can you be so successful that you don't care about that? Like, I just didn't get it at all. Um, and she was, she was brilliant. You know, she, she taught me how to push and, and got me through the first sessions. And she was pretty brutal. Um, she doesn't take it easy on you, even though you're a beginner. She pretty much threw me at the deep end and was like, right, let's go on a road push. It's your second ever session, but we're doing this. Um, but yeah, it was amazing. And she wasn't really my idol because, I, you know, 
when I first got in that race chair, I'd never heard of wheelchair racing. I just saw it and thought, oh, I'll give it a go. Why not? I'm here. Um, and then the next the next kind of weekend, I'm at the most successful British Paralympians house ever. So <laughs> maybe that was actually your secret then. You know, you weren't kind of overawed by anything. I think you've got kind of a growth mindset. And that's what it seems like. And you just to think that you I mean, that was news to me that you only actually went in a racing chair at 15. Yet we know what you were achieving just several years later it must come down to that kind of innate personality that you've got would would you say so I think for me it comes down to ever since I was little I've had this thing where if someone tells me I can't do something I will go out of my way to prove them wrong just yeah. to find any way to do what they think I can't do because I hate it when people come up with their own presumptions they don't give me a chance they just tell you straight away you can't do that um and it always annoyed me that I couldn't do sport, but I just couldn't work out how to do it. You know, obviously when I was growing up, there wasn't the internet. There wasn't, you know, any sport, para sport on TV. It wasn't something that you came across in magazines and papers. Um, so it was just something I never saw. And, and I always, you know, tried to work it out. I wanted to, you know, I went swimming and things like that. I was always the only disabled person. So kind of when the opportunity came up to try these sports and then to try racing, um, I just ran with it. I just thought, you know, this is this is my chance to prove people wrong, and I didn't want to be successful in it. I just I just wanted to do it to prove that I could. I think to prove to myself that I could. I hate it when I find something I can't do. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there is anything you can't do from um, <laughs> listening to that list of achievements. I can't jump. That's still something I'm working on. <laughs> and when you were trying to work out how to do it, did you have any maybe non-sporting role models? Because role models can come in all shapes and sizes, can't they? Was there anybody that um, you would count as a role model at that time, even in non-sport? Um, I think growing up, I was like any girl. I looked up to like steps, <laughs> whatever band I was listening to at the time. Um because I couldn't do sports, my parents really pushed me into the arts. So I played the violin, I sang in a choir, um, I went to loads of like music concerts, um, things like that. Because you know my brother was sporty, so while he was doing that, it was you know it's the other avenue really. Um, so yeah, I just looked up to people in the arts really, and my dream was to be a singer or uh, an actress, or I wanted to be in the police force actually when I was growing up. So um, yeah, just I just looked up to people. Normal people, but normal people to look up to, I guess. <laughs> I agree you... with that. I think, sorry, now I agree with that. I, I just think sometimes if someone's good at what they do, you can just admire it, can't you? So, you know, I love that actually. Steps, you know, that shows how young you are <laughs> compared to me, Helen. It's just not fair. And um, I think you can just admire Steps are back, Jen. You could get I into know. them down a back. I know. Everyone comes around second time, don't they? But yeah, got my tickets. Don't worry. Have you? <laughs> of course. We're finding, Can't wait. we're finding more than eleven things out about yeah. Hannah here. We were not ambitious enough. Yeah. yeah. Um. I just think it is. It's just you know really just applauding when someone really commits themselves to something. So yeah, just so interesting how sport wasn't accessible, but you could still see people in other other avenues, and you can kind of see those traits and. You've obviously certainly put those into good use um, when sport did come your way. And you're doing things to um, pay it forward to the next generation. You know, there have been high profile athletes who have d 
um, named you as their role model, as their inspiration. You have run events to, you know, race meets and things to get children involved. Um, you actually are very involved with one of our, one of the role models featuring on our posters. Can you tell us about that? Can you tell us about your relationship with younger athletes? Yeah, I think I don't really see myself as a role model ever. Um, I, I feel like I have a bit of a responsibility. You know, I've, I've had some of the best coaches in the world in my career. I've been really, really lucky. Um, but a lot of them have, for some reason, a lot of them have coached me and then quit. So <laughs> I don't know what I do. Um, do you know, let's, just say, let's just say that they can't get any better than you. Let's go down that angle. Yeah, exactly. They couldn't get better than me. So they retire. And um, <laughs> I just feel like I've got so much. I've been bestowed on me so much knowledge that it would be a shame to take it with me. Um, and I'm still learning and you know I'm, I'm not the best I could be yet I've got a lot of things that I still want to do and still want to learn but you know I hate to you know I already said it I hate to think that there's some kid out there that doesn't do sport for whatever reason and I want to find them and, and put them in a chair or put them in a you know whatever sport they want to do just help them get there um because there's nothing worse you know I know from experience there's nothing worse than feeling like you, you can't be involved in the thing you want to do so yeah I don't know I just I just see an opportunity and I go for it. I put my first race meet on um, last year, um, kind of selfishly and kind of not. I felt like for elite athletes, there weren't enough opportunities leading into the world championships. So I put my own meet on so that I could get my qualifying times. Um, but also a lot of wheelchair racing meets are in the South. So, you know, we, we only have two clubs, two wheelchair racing clubs in the North. One's in Stockport. Oh, we've got three. One's in Stockport, one's in Liverpool and one's in Leeds. And um, there's so many kids there. You know, I remember going back to Leeds after London 2012 and there were like 20 new people whizzing around in race chairs and it was amazing. Oh, like, I'm not saying they all That's your legacy yeah. though, that local kids <laughs> actually thought exactly what we say. You know, if you can't see it, you can't be it. They saw you and they've took themselves down there. That's, yeah. and, and I know you're and very humble. Yeah, I know you're very humble. You don't see yourself as a role model, but that that's your legacy right there. It's amazing. It was amazing. I loved it, honestly. And I'm not saying they all stayed. Like, a lot of athletes get to winter and decide it's not for them. <laughs> I don't blame them. Um, but then last year, I kind of thought, well, if I'm struggling for competition opportunities, then that means if an elite athlete is struggling, then the youngsters are too. You know, what's the point in training if you have nowhere to go and put that training into practice? So I put a track meet on in Liverpool. Um, I got Muller to sponsor it. And um, yeah, we, we had an amazing day. We had so many kids show up that, I'd, I, you know, I'd never seen them before. And I had so many parents kind of say to me or email me after the event and say, oh, you know, like we take them to training every week, but they're so close to quitting because we can't take them to London every weekend. We can't get them to the race meets. We can't afford it. Um, it was amazing. It was so that And the weather turned out amazing, which was great. Um and I loved it. You know, one of your role medals is Anya. Uh, and um, I actually put Anya in her first race chair uh, yeah, tell us, seven tell years us about, ago. Yeah, tell us about that because it's something, you know, I've spoke to her parents about. And again, I know you're humble and you don't want to big yourself up a, a lot, but you need to. So you met her at the EIS <laughs> at Sheffield. Am I right saying that? I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She came to a... Uh, she came to it, I can't remember what it was called. It was like a BPA Common Friday. Um, she was seven years old. She was so cute. She had like little pigtails in and her splints on. 
and her dad brought her in and um, she was really shy. She didn't really say anything. So her dad did all the talking. So got her in a race chair, got her pushing. Um, and that was it then. She was away, kind of hooked her up with a club and she's she's been pushing ever since. Um, and then, um, yeah, my meet last year, put her in the same race as me. Um, oh, which sounds really mean, but she, she deserved her place. You <laughs> yeah, know, she deserved her place in that race. Yeah. She trained I wonder, hard. I wonder, though, what she, what would her feelings have been? We need to ask her on the start line. Like, you know, obviously no chance against you with your record, but just to be in that situation, just to have that opportunity, that access, and you not even took up the sport at her age, of course, and there she yeah. is racing against you know this legend of the sport how amazing that first of all you introduced to the sport then you give her those opportunities I've, I've got goosebumps it's, it's I don't know if it was mean I felt like it was a bit mean I spoke to her dad after the race <laughs> and he said she was so nervous like she hasn't slept for days she's been so scared because it, it wasn't just me you know she was racing against uh world champion Sammy Kinghorn um, I can't remember who else was in the race, but she was she was in a pretty tough lineup, to be fair on her. And she got in there and she held her own. Um, and then, yeah, earlier this year, I've, I've remained friends with her mom and dad. And I saw on Facebook that, you know, she was she was thinking of leaving her coach, leaving her club. So I just messaged her dad and said, oh, um, just I'm, I'm quite nosy, to be honest. Just messaged him and said, <laughs> oh, I just wondered where she's going. And I said, oh, to be honest, nowhere. She just needs a change. She doesn't know if she likes this sport anymore. And it, it broke my heart a little bit, if I'm honest. I, I didn't like to think that she was, for whatever reason, not enjoying this sport that she'd loved for so long. So I said, all right, um, does she want to come to our club uh, where myself and my boyfriend train? Um, does she want to maybe consider us being her coach? And, yeah, that was it. So we're coaching her now. I need to write her training log this afternoon, actually. So... <laughs> What an um, opportunity! Yeah, her. since then she's she's been at the British Championship. She's raced on TV, like, and, and it's not it's not because of her links to me. It's not because I'm coaching her. It, it's it's because she deserves it. She works hard and she pushes herself. You know, she's been out with us, and I'll say to her, right, do you want to do your session or do you want to do mine? And she'll always say, I want to do yours, and she'll yeah. always do every last rep. She will. If I'm still going, she's still going. And I can always see it in her face. She's absolutely exhausted. She wants to stop, but she's like, no, I can do one more. No, I can do one more. I can keep going. Um, it's amazing. It's amazing. She's 14 and, and she can handle the sessions that I'm doing. So she's definitely going to be a star. Definitely. And that's why it's so important that she's featuring in our role models posters, because we are putting her in front of those primary school girls and boys that were where you were, maybe not having seen athletes that they can relate to. And she it, she will be that inspiration for them. So it's like going down the generations. I love it. I think it's brilliant. It's such a brilliant idea as well. You know, had I had something like that when I was growing up, then, you know, like you said a bit ago, oh, imagine what you could have done. And I, I do sometimes think that. I sometimes think, you know, we see like, one of my friends, Holly Arnold, went to her first games at 14 years old. What could I have done had I had that opportunity? Yeah. And how many other kids are missing out on that? And I, lo I love it. You know, we see a race against a girl called Carrie Denigan. Um, She watched London 2012 when she was 10 and got in a race share. And she was on the start line at Rio winning medals. Like, it just shows that the talent's there and it's hidden away. And, and so many kids need to be given the opportunity. And if, if 
the people that are in the limelight, the people that are given the time to speak out about it and do something about it, don't do that, then nothing changes. You know, no one else can change it except the people at top. So you've, you've just got to keep pushing it really. And yeah, that's what I try and do sometimes. <laughs> you are doing a fabulous job, it has to be said. What is next for you? So um, obviously the Olympics has moved. You now have the Commonwealth Games to look at. What's next? Um, so yeah, hopefully Tokyo next year is the plan. Uh, that's what I'm training towards. We've got European Championships before that as well. Um, and yeah, my first Commonwealth in 2022. It got announced uh, a few months ago now that they were going to involve the T3400 metres for the first time ever. Um, it's the only title that I've never had the chance to go for. So wow. um, I kind of for a long time was like, oh, Tokyo might just be it for me. But I can't I can't miss a home games and a Commonwealth game. I can't miss it. So um, I'm around for a bit longer. <laughs> I am a special fan of the Commonwealth Games because I'm from the Isle of Man and the Isle of Man gets to compete in the Commonwealth Games. So I love seeing any sort of athlete with the Isle of Man flag. So I'm all for I'm all for the Commonwealth Games, too. <laughs> And it's special, you know, you're not just representing Great Britain, you know, you're representing England or Scotland or Wales, wherever you're actually from. And I think that carries a, for me, it carries a bit more pride. If I could represent Yorkshire, I would definitely be doing that. But unfortunately, (laughs) that's, they're not not quite there yet. We will get there. (laughs) One day. Next time, 2026. (laughs) So where can we find out more about you? Where can we follow you and see what you're up to you? Um, everywhere, really. <laughs> You're everywhere. I'm On everywhere. every single TV programme, it seems, from the introduction. Well, you see, I like to, I don't like people to miss me for too long. And uh, <laughs> when the season finishes, so does the attention, so... <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm on Instagram uh, at HLCMBE. I'm on Twitter at HCDream2012. Um, I've got a website that I probably need to launch at some point. <laughs> you need to um, launch it. I do, yeah. It's time, it's time. But hannahcockcroft.co.uk. And I think it's that, anyway. I think it might be <laughs> hannahcockcroft.com. I'm not sure. We'll check. It'll come up. Yeah, one of them. And uh, I'm somewhere on Facebook as well, MBE. So... I'm 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 everywhere. Well, I'm TikTok, but I'm everywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah, thank you so much for joining us to talk all things role models today. Thank you to Journey Meadows for being my wonderful co-host. Uh, you have been listening to the C Sporty B Sporty podcast role model series celebrating the release of Totally Runnable's role models posters for schools. You can join Totally Runnable for more of the same at Totally Runnable on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn and wherever you get your podcasts. So thank you to Hannah Cockcroft and Jenny Meadows and goodbye. Bye guys. Bye. <laughs> If you know a school who might like to know more about the gender sport gap and what they can do to measure and start to close it, they should be a part of Totally Runnable's Girls and Sport Pledge. It's completely free to be a part of and includes some brilliant resources to start your school's gender sport gap journey. Just go to our website at www.totallyrunnable.com or Google Totally Runnable Girls and Sport Pledge or email me nat at totallyrunnable.com. (laughs) 